0: Wonderful to see all of you out this evening. Wasn't it a beautiful day? Oh man, we, Campbell and I got out and walked around a little bit, pet the donkey that lives behind our house. And just had a big old time out there this afternoon. I hope you enjoyed yourself as well. Do you like magic? Do you like magic? I'm, I'm talking about a fellow, a lady who gets on stage and performs somehow and, and entertains. Through my dealings with school, I've uh, come to meet a couple of these magicians. And they've got some great tricks, they have some good messages that they teach our students. And one magician that I grew up watching, and talk to me later if you remember him, but was Cowboy Uh, Louie. Cowboy Louie came to your school, we need to talk afterwards. He was a good entertainer and he came to our schools and did some great, great messages uh, for us. They talk a lot about good and positive things at the various schools they go to. Some people don't like magicians. They don't like being fooled. I don't know how he did it, and they don't like that. They feel like they're being swindled or, or hoodooed. So they just rather not watch them. But I enjoy them all the same, and some people don't. That's okay, because some people don't like to be fooled and deceived through their practices. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 3, please. Hebrews chapter 3. Under understand how some people, they don't want to be lied to. They don't want to be fooled. Well, there's something that we all must endure because we are Christians. And so with that, there is some deceitfulness that if we're not careful, we can be lured into. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12 says this, Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Take care, brethren. Keep evil away. We don't want people to fall away from the living God. We don't don't want people to be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The short story of all this is Christ has come to bring freedom, People would rather, many times, quite often, engage in sin. Therefore, they are hardened and they fall away from Christ and their faith. Verse 14, For we have become partakers of Christ, if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance, firm until the end. So the deceitfulness of sin lures many unsuspecting souls to spiritual ruin. Because sin, as enticing as it is... As alluring as it is, people will see that, and they say, I want that. And they'll turn their back on Christ, and they'll, they'll turn towards sin, and through that process, over time or even rather quickly, their heart will be hardened. And when that happens, you know it's, it's tough, it's more difficult, not impossible, but it's a little tougher for Christ to get in to that hard heart. See, the people have been deceived into believing that sin is where they need to be. That sin is where they want to live. And Christ has told them, you've got to abstain from that. You've got to stay away. We're supposed to be encouraging one another. And if you partake in sin, if you engage in that, you will be hardened. And you can fall away. 2 Peter 2, verses 18 and 19 says this, Speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality. These are things that are reserved, should be reserved for marriage. But yet people in in Peter's day and age and in our day and age utilize sensuality, utilize fleshly desires to entice people to come to their side, to go away from Christ. Those who barely escape from the ones who live in error, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. As you watch television, particularly tonight if you catch the game, there will be sensuality, there will be a great deal of that broadcast, as there often is at sporting events on television. And so many of those enticing commercials promise this life of freedom. But through the alcohol, through other things that they may show, enticing as it is, it can actually enslave you to sin. For The last part of verse 19 says, For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. When Christ talked to the apostles at first, he told them to follow him. He didn't say you had to, that you must. He encouraged them. He showed them miracles, making them want to follow him. They did that, but they went of their own accord. But whenever you give in to sin, whenever you are enticed, whenever you are deceived, then you become enslaved by that sin here's the thing about sin. It never delivers what it offers. And Samson is a great example of this. Sin in his life caused him to never live up fully to his potential. Though he was a judge for our Creator, he was often ruled by personal revenge and lustful passions which weakened his devotion to God over time. Perhaps only up to his death, was he fully impressed that his strength was from God? Let's look to Judges chapter 16, please. We'll be talking and discussing this evening the story of Samson. Judges chapter 16. There are three things I want to talk to you tonight that, and tell you, discuss with you. Three things that sin will always do. Sin is deceptive, sin promises things, but it never really delivers what you think it will. Oh, isn't this fun that we can engage in this behavior? That we can do what we want to do, enticing and, and giving in to, to fleshly desires. Well, sin's going to promise a whole lot and it's not going to deliver, but there are three things that sin always does. First off, sin will always take you farther than you actually want it to go. In Judges chapter 16 verses 4 through 20, the Philistines had Delilah work to find out where his strength came from. At this point, Samson had made fools of the Philistines repeatedly, had done several things that made them look foolish, and you know, they didn't like that. Somebody outdoes you, you want to you take care of them in a very bad way whenever they are your enemy. So the Philistines had Delilah work to find out where his strength came from. And at first, he had no intention of telling her. One example is verse 7. Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh cords that have not been dried, then I will become weak and be like any other man. And he gave her two other reasons, two other examples of where his strength came from, which were both lies. So at first he had no intention of telling her. And eventually he should have just simply told her that his strength came from God. And that would have sufficed, hopefully. But Samson's will was finally broken by the constant enticements of Delilah. Verses 15 through 17. Then she said to him, How can you say I love you? See, she's going after his emotion now. How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have deceived me these three times and have not told me what, where your great strength is. It came about when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him that his soul was annoyed to death. You pressure somebody enough, they're going to give in to what you want, and that's what's happening here. So he told her all that was in his heart and said to her, A razor has never come on my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God. So he's, he's, giving some, he's giving the credit to God, I'm a Nazarite to God, but what's he doing? Right? What's he doing? He's breaking his promise to not tell anyone because he knows, has to know by this time that Delilah is trying to do him in, trying to do him harm. For I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I will become weak, and I will be like any other man. Samson's strength came from God. Our strength today comes from God, if we're honest. We give him the credit. Our strength today comes from the true and living God. So at first, you see, he had no intention of telling her. He didn't want to do that. But she pressed and she pressed and she pressed, and we finally gave in. And so that's what happens with all of us from time to time. Whenever we try to say no to something, yet we're still within that realm of where that sin is maybe a group of students at school, maybe people at work, maybe something you have hidden, you're still within that realm of where that sin is, and you're still hanging around it, well, eventually, eventually you might give in. The allurement of sin must be rejected from the first. Proverbs 1, verse 10 says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Plain words from the proverb writer here. If, my, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Don't go along with them. Why? Let's look at Proverbs chapter 4 and see what it has to say about it in a little more detail. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 14. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not proceed in the way of evil men. Today, this morning, we talked about how we needed to discern between good and evil. Hold fast to that which is good and abstain from that which is evil. That is a prominent teaching in Christianity. We need to be honest with who we are around and who we are with. Is this person good for me or is this person bad for me? Is this behavior good for me or is this person or is this behavior bad for me? So do not proceed in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not pass by it. Turn away from it and pass on. Do not pass go. Keep on going it says. For they cannot sleep unless they do evil. We're supposed to be able to sleep with a clear conscience. We are supposed to be able to live in such a way that God is pleased with our behavior. These people, the people of today even, who live in evil ways, cannot sleep unless they're doing something evil. And they are robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble. I've got some students that are like that. Maybe some of you teachers do too. They're, you, know, you try to be your very best for them and be nice to them, and they just want to be mean what it amounts to a lot of times. Sin, when given occasion, will always progress into further evil. We should reflect on Psalm chapter 1 and verse 1, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. This is the man we must be. Abstaining from evil, not walking in the path of evil men, but being along with God. For error only brings ruin. You know, we're all going to sin, we're all going to mess up, but continuing on that path will certainly bring you ruin. 2 Timothy 2, 16, and 17, Avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. It's not just a little thing that you're going you're to dip into and, and be done with it, like a good, you know, crockpot full of Rotel. You're not going to just dip one little time. It just can't be done, especially if that's hot, it's got sausages. You're just going to keep on and keep on, and after the third bowl and you're finally sick, you you think to yourself, why did I do that? Why did I eat all that Rotel? Because it was good. That's what happens with sin as well. Only here, when Paul's talking to Timothy, he compares it not to Rotel, which is a pleasant thing, but rather to gangrene, where your, your body can get infected and get really, really bad infected. We call that going... You know, going green, going gangrene. That's what Paul compares it to. Avoid these people. Because whenever they are living in an ungodly manner today, they're going to live in an ungodly manner tomorrow. That's different from, from being imperfect, from being someone who needs Christ, from someone who needs his purification daily. That is somebody who can't sleep unless they're doing evil. That's somebody who wants nothing but that for their lives and for the lives of others. We've got to abstain from those. So next, sin will always keep you longer than you wanted to stay. Let's look at Judges chapter 16, back to there. First off, sin will always take you farther than you wanted to go. Because one sin leads to more sin. Next, sin will always keep you longer than you wanted to stay. Judges chapter 16 and verse 20. So she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. See, she followed through with her plan found out where his strength came from, went through with that plan, and then, as she did in other instances, said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes, and they brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze chains. And he was a grinder in the prison. So here we see that Samson had no intention of remaining bound. He had no intention of not being able to, as in other times, fight off the Philistines. But it was different this time. God had left him. Basically, as if we can compare it to today, he was indulging in regular sin that was giving way to more sin, that was giving way to more ungodliness. He was engaging in that type of behavior, and it kept taking him further and further and further away from God. And I bet when he went out and tried to, you know, punch maybe the first person that he saw, whenever he tried to do that, and he was just like a normal man, they grabbed him and wrestled him to the ground probably. Just had the strength of a normal man. And then it was then that he realized, God is no longer with me as he once was. And it was a simple thing. He was probably just, you know, as Scripture said, he was just annoyed with what Delilah was doing. He was ready to just make her be quiet, so he told her. I'm not sure why he didn't think this was going to happen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 says this. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Some people don't understand. The gospel is veiled, Paul tells the Corinthians quite often for people. But it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. So people who don't want to take in Scripture, people who want to only do evil, they are blinded to its wisdom. They don't see what it can do for them, like I hope all of us do tonight. They don't see what good can be done for them in their lives. They are blinded by it for the God of this world, so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. They just can't see it. They don't know why you remain faithful to Christ. But I hope you look at them and say, I don't know how you can't remain faithful to Christ. I don't know how you can't give your life to him and live a pure life for him and live in such a way that he looks down and says, there's my servant. and I am so very proud of him or her. The story of the prodigal son serves to illustrate this point very well. Luke chapter 15, he wanted his wealth prodigal son did and he leaves his father he goes away and is sleeping and eating with the pigs and he finally comes to his senses I've got to go back to my father and then what do we see of the father we see the father run out to him and welcome him back and that's what our heavenly father does as well if you are enticed by sin if you are pulled away from it God is always there ready to forgive you we need to be aware Of the controlling power of sin. Because you think it's just going to be a little, right? It's going to be a little ungodliness. Nobody will ever find out. But Then it grows and it grows. Because sin is powerful. Sin can be very, very controlling. We must realize that. Paul understood it. Romans chapter 7, he said that he was at war within himself. I know I should do good, but I can't because I'm flesh. But thankfully, who will set me free, he asked? God will, through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's one of the most honest passages in all of Scripture, I believe, where Paul says, Paul the Apostle, Paul who, who saw the Lord on the road to Damascus and was blinded by the light, he said, I am such a wretched man, and I know I should do good, but sometimes I just can't. But Christ can make me free. Christ can forgive me. So while sin is very controlling, it is Jesus who can make us all free if we but rely on him and devote our lives to him. Sin will always take you farther than you want it to go. We see this in Samson where his sin only brought him ruin. And it will keep you longer than you wanted to stay. Samson told Delilah he wanted that to be the end of it, but it wasn't. And lastly, sin will always cost you more than you intended to pay. Judges chapter 16 and verse 21. Let's turn there. Judges chapter 16 and verse 21. Then the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes. And they brought him down to Gaza, bound him with bronze chains. And he was a grinder in the prison. A grinder would was, was basically they would you know put you on a long post and you would turn a grinder you would walk around in a circle grinding grain and someone who was blind yet physically healthy could do that and could turn the grain like a donkey You've probably seen donkeys turning those big meals or small meals cuz they weigh a lot but a donkey just walking around in a circle that's basically all he was he was a laborer animal and he went around and around and around Because that was the one thing that he could do. And I'm sure the Philistines loved it. And I'm sure that people who lead you into sin, I'm sure they love it too. Because you're joining along with them, validating the feelings, validating the thoughts that they have. They just love it that you're there with them. But you know who's not there? Jesus. Jesus isn't there. He's not there whenever you're living in sin. He wants to be. He's probably close by. He's on the Bible app in your pocket. He's right there. But yet some people want to just keep pushing that away as much as possible. Verse 25, let's read that of Judges 16. It so happened when they were high in spirits that they said, Call for Samson, that he may amuse us. So they called for Samson from the prison and he entertained them and they made him stand between the pillars. I feel fairly confident that how he entertained them was not with magic, was not with a guitar, playing music, but rather him fumbling around and falling like a court jester, a foolish man who cannot see now and has no strength to defend himself. I'm sure that made the Philistines very, very happy. Samson's recklessness with God's blessing cost him his sight, cost him his dignity, cost him his strength, his freedom, and finally his life. And in chapter 16 and verse 28, Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me just this time. O God, that I may at once be avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson's ready to take the lives of the Philistines and even die himself. But he knew at this point that he had to do something. He had to do something. He cries out to God, Bless me with that strength once again. You know, you don't know what you have until it's gone. And I'm sure Samson experienced that very thing. His strength that he had been so confident, arrogant in, was now gone. And quite often when that happens to us in a spiritual sense, we realize at that moment how much we need God. For it seems as though He is so far away from us whenever we're at rock bottom, whenever we've hit our very lowest point, you've probably known of people who have said, Lord, just, just be with me this time. Whenever they've gone away from, from God, whenever they've gone away from their Savior, that, that's a good moment. It's a pivotal moment. It was a pivotal moment here for Samson. Whenever he said, Lord, be with me just this one time, unfortunately it ended his life. But it doesn't have to end your lives. Because you can have a new beginning tonight if you but believe that you need to get some sin out of your life But if you leave without doing that, if you continue to choose sin, sin will cost you some things. Romans 6.23 talks about the wages of sin being death. Sin will cost you your soul. Sin will cost you fellowship with God. And when you're at your lowest, that's one thing you can't have. Or when you're at your highest, that's the one thing you can be thankful for because it's it's God who brought you there. 2 John Verse 9 says this, Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. That's where we need to be. But sin will take it away from you. Sin will take it away. Why? Because you're enslaved in it. Because you've been overcome by sin and now you're devoted to that. To that addiction, to that habit, to that whatever it might be. You're devoted to that and not to God because you don't have the Father and the Son. Sin will cost you peace of mind. Peace with man and with God. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's peace that so many people need in this world. They're looking for peace in money, they're looking for peace in so many things rather than for God, and it's sin that keeps them away from that sin will also cost you heaven, Matthew chapter 25 and verse 46 where the sheep are divided it says on the right, come to me, says those on the left, I never knew you instead of paying the price of sin, we must pay the price of discipleship, let's look at Luke chapter 14 please There is a price of sin. We've discussed that just now. It'll cost you heaven. It'll cost you God's fellowship. It'll cost you peace. It'll cost you your soul. But there is a price of discipleship as well. It's not free. That's one of the reasons people look at discipleship and say, well, I'd rather be over on sin's side instead. Luke chapter 14 and verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters... Yes, and even his own life, he could not be my disciple. Now, why is that? Well, we, we want to love these people. It's not what Jesus is saying, but he, what he is saying is, I want you to love me more. And sometimes, even in this life, we have to do that. Loved ones fall away. Loved ones ask you to do things that are contrary to God's word. And Sometimes you've got to look and say, look, I'm following God. And in this day and age, it was probably a great deal in regards to Jesus coming and dividing the Jewish households from those who wanted to follow Jesus versus those who wanted to continue to follow the old law. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation, and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him. So if you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to count the cost. If you're going to build something, you've got to count the cost. If you're going to build a home, if you're going to start a project, you've got to count it up. And that's what Jesus is telling these people. Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him, with 20,000? or else while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for turns of peace. So then none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all of his own possessions. There's a price for discipleship that I'm willing to pay. That price of discipleship will get you so much. Sin, sin will take it all away. We need to learn from Samson. We need to learn that sin will always do three things take you further than you wanted to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and cost you more than you were ever willing to pay. So don't be deceived into thinking that you can master sin by yourself. You need Christ. You need to be devoted to Him. And I hope you're praying daily. I hope you're imploring God for strength. I hope you're asking Him for forgiveness on a regular basis. That's a great spiritual discipline to employ. And I hope you're a Christian tonight. And if you're not, you need to become one. Because then you will have a tool, the love and abiding faith of Christ to help you with all the sins that you might be battling regularly in your life. So if you're not a Christian, please come forward. We can assist you and baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Or if you are a Christian and have fallen away and you need prayers tonight, come forward and let us assist you with that as well. Won't you come as we stand and sing?